In this week's update, the odds favour the selling is done. And where to from here? And what's happening in lithium? My name is Gary Davis. As always, this is General Advice Only. And please remember to like and subscribe to the video. Okay, let's just start with some market perspective. This is going to be a bit of a shorter video. I'm not feeling terribly well at the moment, so I haven't been able to put the time into this that I normally do. Uh, but certainly we'll be covering the really important points because it's, um, it's a pretty pivotal time just at the moment. Now, just looking at China, um, it's always really, really hard to know what's really happening in China. The, the only sources we really have are, are Western media sources. So, um, you know, that's, it's difficult to, um, to really have a feel for what's happening there. But um, when you look at an issue like, let's say, youth unemployment, which was last officially reported at somewhere around 20% and rising, um, obviously the Chinese government doesn't like the data, and so they've just stopped reporting it. So that's probably a really, really serious uh, problem in the making, if it's not already. And then that comes, of course, on top of a property construction sector that's in big trouble. We've now seen Evergrande uh, file for bankruptcy protection in uh, in America, and another um, another major developer, Country Garden, is um, uh, looks like it's missing their bond repayments. So lots of nasty things happening in the, um, in the Chinese economy. And when you couple that with, um, you know, with weak consumer spending, um, it's not a good outlook for China, uh, at all. And, and therefore, you know, can't be really positive for, for, uh, stock markets around the world over the longer term. Now, switching to America, strong retail sales data, Really fired up the bond market. Uh, went up above um, uh, 4.3 on um, on the 10-year yield, and that, of course, also fed into um, the US dollar as well, which uh, which edged up a little bit more. So that puts rate further rate rises. You know, I think the market had come to terms with the fact that there might have been one more rate rise. That puts even more rate rises back on the table, and there'd been a premium in equities built in, particularly the the rate-sensitive equities, uh, who'd been built in on the expectation that there would only be one more rate rise at most, and that we'd probably see some rate cuts in 2024. Well, the events of the last week or two have um, have turned that on its head, and um, and that's contributed to the correction. Um, but as I said, or I've been saying for several weeks, as members know, um, the correction was due. August, September, typically weaker part of the year when the market has been really strong going into that time of year, you often get a correction. And then with all the issues, both in America and in China, um, it was, you know, it was almost a slam dunk that we were going to get a correction. And I talked about this in the Sunday videos on July 23 and also on August 6, uh, looking at both the logical fundamental signals and also the technical signals. The logic came first. The market held up longer than what the the logic would dictate, but then eventually, um, you know, the technicals took over, and um, we'll have a look at that uh, that chart in uh, in just a minute. Um, so, for me, it's always a matter. Of, you know, I learned many many years ago, more than a decade ago, that the best way to survive and prosper in the stock market is not to try and outthink it, not to try and guess what's going to happen, 
not to try and be a, you know, a smarty and predict things. It's just pretty straightforward. You just observe what is happening um, with uh, overweighting the technical signals more than what logic would dictate. And then be prepared to act on it, act on what you see and not what you think. And that is the, that is the route to success that, uh, that I found many, many years ago. So if we look at the market technical signals, particularly in the options market, um, the options market has moved very, very quickly from being um, at, at real excess where it was certainly begging for a correction. And we've moved very quickly to the other end of the spectrum now where everyone has turned so bearish. And the, the put to call ratio is reflecting that bear, bearishness. And um, it's almost a capitulation situation in the last couple of days. And when you see that sort of capitulation, um, it's likely that you're going to get a reversal. Now, this is clouded a, clouded a little bit because it was options expiry, uh, third week of the, the month. Um, so, you know, you, you can never feel really confident that the price signals you're seeing are, are not just transitory for a day or two. Um, and there were plenty of individual stock reversals, but I'm really in two minds at the moment, um, not taking a particularly strong position because it just, you know, we're, we're only third week of August. We've still got another five or six weeks before we get out of this August, September period. So I'm a little loath to sort of jump on the options market capitulation and, uh, and call the lows. It may well be, and I'm certainly open-minded to that, but I'm not, you know, I'm not going to throw the kitchen sink at it, that's for sure. So I think a bit of caution warranted, but we're in a much better position now from a, you know, a contrarian reversal than we were a couple of weeks ago. That, you know, that's the message. And that's the message that members have been getting you know, constantly every day through um, uh, through the Insiders Club, um, always uh, you know up to date on what I'm what I'm seeing and what I'm thinking and and where our targets are. <clears throat> so it's all about being prepared. You got to know what to look for in terms of the signals, and there's many many different signals, both fundamental and technical, that I that I look for. Um, but most importantly, you got to be open minded to respond. You know, not get locked into a certain view of how things should be. Have your target list primed and ready to go. As I said, I think last week, this, this correction is not, I didn't expect it to be a significant problem. I expected it to create an opportunity. And I identified a couple of support levels, one of which we've reached, as you'll see in a minute. Those who want to be grandstanders and big note themselves, or those that feel that they need to be right, do not survive in the market and particularly in markets like this. So if I can offer you any advice at all is get rid of that um, desire that you might have to, to be right, because the market will always be right at the end of the day. Turning now to American stocks, the S&P fell 2.1% uh, across the week. It, it felt worse than that, to be honest, but that was the scoreboard once we got a bit of a rebound on Friday. We're now down 5.4% from the peak, so it's still relatively mild. And we hit the first level of pretty obvious support or very close to it and uh, had a good day Friday. But, um, you know, I'm still, I'm still a little wary because of the seasonality um, and the fact that it was options expiring. So I'll need to see a bit more evidence next week 
that we're going to get follow through to the upside. And I want to see some volume behind that as well. Now, the VIX um, spiked to a three-month high. Um, so again, we've moved to a position now. It's by, it's by no means really high. You know, high is above 30. Um, but we certainly have moved to a position where it's taken a bit of excess enthusiasm out of the market, which is what you want to see. If you want to buy, you don't want to be buying into an enthusiastic market. Uh, the US dollar index moved up a bit. Again, 103.38. Uh, the 10-year yield got up over 4.3, but closed at 4.25. VIX up to 17.3, and we'll take a look at that in a minute. And the 10-year, uh, two-year spread is still sitting around the same level, um, just under 0.7%. So let's take a look at... Let's take a look at the VIX first of all. So this is the VIX over the last six months. And you can see that we've, we've got a ceiling here around 20. So we, we dropped down under 20 in, um, in March uh, of this year. And we've been under that level the whole time. We spiked up in May and, and again late May. So early May, late May. And we've now worked our way back not too far from that level again. Um, so that's a much better position to be launching um, a rally from. Not that I'm necessarily, um, you know, really enthusiastic about about such a rally, but uh, but I I think there's a very distinct possibility that we've now seen the lows. That's uh, you know that's the message I guess. Okay, let's take a look at some um, some charts. So this is the S and P. This is where we were last Sunday. On this candle here, so we were just above this support level. Um, we broke through that support level and came down almost to the next pretty obvious level, which I said was another three point two percent down. And I did earmark another level, which was six point seven percent down from here, not from here, but from there. So, um, th and that level corresponded to um, to these peaks in August of last year, February of this year, and also the, the first major level of Fibonacci retracement of, of the whole move from, um, from October to the recent peak. So, you know, these are technical levels that, that just give you a bit of a guide. So that's where we sit uh, with the S&P. Possible we could come down to here, um, and really the, the proof will be in the in the first two or three days of next week in America. We want to see some upside and we want to see some upside with volume in, um, in some of the market leaders. Now let's uh, have a look at individually what's happening. This is the NASDAQ versus the S&P. So it's cooling a little bit, but not dramatically. So, and as you'll see from the sector charts, there hasn't been this wholesale move out of uh, rate sensitive um, more aggressive sectors into the um, you know into real defensives. We're seeing it just a little bit, but it's nothing dramatic. So I'm encouraged by that. Semiconductors versus the S and P. We we did have a sharp dip during the week, but it certainly recovered, and so there's been no real technical damage there done either. And if we look at the sectors, so this is going back over the last three months. Um, if you Go back a few months, energy was at the bottom. Well, it's now worked its way to the top on a quarterly basis. So that's 
pretty impressive from energy. Um, and then we've got consumer discretionary, which I don't sort of pay much attention to these days because of the dominance of Tesla and, and Amazon. Communication services, um, and then technology stocks, and then we get down to to finance, materials, healthcare, and staples at the bottom. So that's really interesting. And that tells you a lot about the psychology of the market, the fact that the ultra-defensive staples part of the market is, uh, is still lagging on a quarterly basis. Let's zoom in a little bit and have a look at the last two weeks just to see if anything has changed. And not a lot. Energy had a good week. Um, healthcare um, had, a, had a reasonable week, rebounded quite nicely the week before. Staples improving a little bit, but it's still you know closer to the bottom than it is to the top. And consumer discretionary really got smacked around um, pretty badly. So that's the that's the picture. So there's nothing there's nothing that is screaming that this is going to develop into something more significant. Uh, I guess is is the takeaway. Now turning to the Australian market. So this is over the last quarter, leading the Australian market, energy. Um, uh, technology, uh, so that's the our equivalent of uh, of US technology. Then, then finance, small caps, material stocks, and healthcare at uh, at the bottoms. The def the ultra defensives of healthcare and and staples are uh, are not really being. There's not a scramble to get into those sort of stocks. Let's just have a quick look at the last uh, two weeks. Healthcare has managed to uh, stage a bit of a recovery. Energy is up there. So, you know, it's pretty clear where the, the outperformers are over the last quarter and particularly over the last uh, couple of months. So that's the, um, that's the picture um, in the US and Australian markets. So look at the currencies. So we're getting quite a nice rebound. We're still within this range between 104 and, uh, and 100. Getting very much towards the top of uh, top of that range, and that of course has pushed, along with commodity price weakness and concerns over China, has pushed the Australian dollar down. But we're down to um, sixty three point three seven. Okay, so that's the U.S. market, Aussie market. There's our currency. We were down two point six percent across the week. We're in the middle of earnings season. There's more stocks beating expectations than otherwise, which is a little bit of a surprise. Perhaps expectations had been had been wound back early, um, and the energy sector did um, did best in the Australian market. But if you look at the ASX 200, we are still in what has been a two-year range. This is uh, pretty much the midpoint of that range. Somewhere around 7,100, 7,200. And you can see um, you've got to go all the way back to May of 2021. So more than two years now. And then we're also still at the same level as just before COVID hit. So if you've got a broadly diversified portfolio that reflects the index, then you're not getting too much joy out of it, really, other than, um, other than you know, the dividends. So that's a pretty disappointing picture, I must have to say. And that reinforces why stock picking is not only the 
you know, the best way to gain some real ground in real terms, but it's also the, the best form of risk management. Because there's nothing terribly exciting about, about that chart. It was a tough week for lithium stocks, but I'll talk about that in a slide or two. Uh, gold was down another $25. We're now down under 1900 so that's been very, very disappointing. It broke a key support level, um, and the next stop is another $15 uh, down to $1875, as we'll see. Slightly up because the Australian dollar fell as much as it did, slightly up in Australian dollars and just a whisker off 3000 So it's still profitable territory for our Australian miners. But look, right now, the market just doesn't want to know. Gold equities are struggling around the world, not disastrously so, but there's definitely no momentum there. So let's have a quick look at, uh, at the gold market. So there's gold on a weekly broke this uh, key support level at around 1913. Uh, and this is the next level here at 1875. And then hopefully this doesn't come to pass, but we're down to around the 1808 mark. So that's on the weekly. And you can see it's just, it's just dribbling down. This, despite the central bank buying, it's just day after day the gold price is going lower. So there's there's nothing that's really, you know, stepping in and pushing it in the counter direction. And if we look at GDXJ, which is the basically the, the global index for um for mid cap um gold stocks, so similar sort of picture. It's just day after day just grinding slowly to to the downside. All right, other commodities, uh copper um, pretty steady around 372 nickel similarly not much change in either of those and uh, crude oil did get a little bit higher uh, during the week eased back to uh, 81.40 and it's really consolidating the breakout and let's take a look at crude oil so this is crude oil um, let's look over the last uh, start with six months so these are the last six months, just a little hint of a breakout there, and now we're consolidating that breakout, but consolidating high. So that's looking fairly promising, which indeed it should, because the fundamentals around supply and demand for, for energy are, um, are going to continue to look pretty attractive for, for many years to come because of the underinvestment. All right, now turning to uh, some news in lithium. Um, According to Fast Markets, there's been very little spot activity. So the selling of of um, lithium contracts into the spot market, um, we've, we've definitely got weaker demand in China at the moment um, from not only the uh, electric vehicles, but also the battery market as well. We've also got stocking and, and or destocking and restocking cycles that are moving around not necessarily because of supply and demand. They're moving around because of anticipation of other events. Um, so it's, you know, it's, you can't just look at the price and if the price is falling, think that there's something bad happening, that demand has fallen away because you know, there's, we had a situation in China where the, um, there was an expectation that there could be power cuts during uh, during the summer months, and so there was a build up of inventory before that, and and that those power cuts didn't happen, 
And so there was then destocking. So that's got nothing to do with with under, underlying supply and demand. This, this is still a very young, immature market. And so therefore, you don't want to be reacting or overreacting too much to the short-term movements because these are not reliable price signals um, in, in the short term. There's a whole lot of cross-currents going on here. So I think with lithium, you, you really need to be uh, working off a, a longer-term trading or investment plan. So according to fast markets, chemical prices in China were down around 8 9%. And the balance in the very short term has shifted uh, to an excess of supply. So, you know, that's the situation where we sit right at the moment. And because of that, we may see prices fall a bit further. So don't expect any great things from lithium equities in the very short term. However, promisingly, um, spodumene prices did remain firm. But again, you know, look at point three, and that is it's still a young, immature market. So we've just got to be looking a bit longer term. There's a spot copper chart showing a bit of a tick up, but it wasn't, it wasn't really that um, significant. Uh, the same with nickel. I'm not sure that those charts are actually updated because the, the uh, prices were slightly down on the week. Now, the long-term outlook um, still remains positive from my perspective. I've seen nothing in this, um, this pullback, this correction, whatever you want to call it, that concerns me about something deeper and more significant. It's always possible. But at the moment, I think it's we had excess in the market. This is the correction we had to have, and you just got to let it play out. And I think it's it's an opportunity. It's it's not a significant problem. But as always, individual stock selection is you know, is the most important tool you can have in your toolkit. And if you aren't in a position to do that yourself, then you want to align yourself with someone who can. Portfolio analyst last week. It was a catch up week. Bit of a bit of a breather. Uh, we have four weeks off a year, 48 editions of Portfolio Analyst, and last week was one of those weeks off. But back to the main game uh, in this week coming. There's more information on the website. There's my email address, and um, I'll be back with you next Sunday. Cheers.